Well, good morning, everybody. Shouting out to you from here. Um, there's a real sense of here we go again, start of 2021. Um, but whatever befalls, he is our vision. My name is Donna Jennings. I work with the Evangelical Alliance. As Nigel says, I love my job. I get to go around churches. I get to talk to church leaders, to individuals, to different leaders within the churches. I get to sit with church leaders together in little unity movements. And I love the church. I'm passionate about God's design for the church and its power in the purposes of God, even in a global pandemic. I look forward maybe to being with you another Sunday when we can all be together, when there's people on the chairs and we can chat and have coffee. Uh, but this morning, we're going to think about the church as a community. Do you like what I did there with that hyphen? Uh, for a divided world. Have you noticed from the news or as you walk around the, the community and you see everybody's different responses to COVID that we live in a divided world? We are a tribal people. Socioeconomic divisions, political divisions, racial, national divisions within family that we're seeing intensify during COVID. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth during a time of division and conflict in society and in the church. He previously had written a firm letter of correction to the church in Corinth, and they questioned his role as an apostle because he was poor, because he was persecuted, and because apparently he was a rubbish speaker. They wanted a strong leader in the values of the world. Paul made a painful visit to Corinth, he calls it, and then he writes this letter to consolidate reconciliation and to raise the way of the cross in the community of the church. This image here of this vase is from an, uh, a business called The Master Mender. What an amazing job of piecing back together this smashed artifact, painstakingly understanding what the original item was, how each piece fits together, and then slowly, one piece after another, bringing it back together to make the full, beautiful piece of work that was recreated. I think it's a good image that reflects the heart of reconciliation as that beautiful work of the master mender, as he gathers together, reconciles piece by piece to recreate what was always intended to be. Reconciliation is a reversal of a divided situation. And so like the vase, to understand reconciliation and what Paul's getting at in this passage, we need to understand what the original intended situation was always supposed to be. We need to look at divisions within the biblical story. In Genesis 1 and 2, there was no such thing as reconciliation because there were no divisions. It was a foreign concept. There was no experience of fractured segments in, in the cosmos. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The opening statement of the Bible is unity, stating the togetherness of God's design, his realm and our realm were one. And we proclaim that in the creed together. We will do after I'm finished. The cosmic order of creation was a system of three main parties. The creator ruling over two united human creatures who joined together to rule over or to subdue and cultivate the creation. 
There was a togetherness, a unity between these three parties, and there was a purpose in the design. And God, looking at this cosmic order, said, it is good. It will work. There is shalom, flourishing for all of them. In Genesis 3, we, are, we become aware of the need for reconciliation. In Genesis 3, and in Paul's synopsis in Romans, we see the creature stepping out of that cosmic order, creating chaos that shattered the whole cosmos. There's a division between God and creature as humanity seeks for his power and place. There's a division between human creatures as one tries to dominate the other and the other longs for the other. These, this is why there are acts of inequality, injustice. That's why we have human rights issues in the world. There's a division between creature and creation and no longer can the earth give the creature what they need without hard work. And the creature takes creation and exploits it and uses it for its own gain. The cosmic web of shalom has been shattered and fragmented, just like the jug or the vase in our first picture. And Romans 8 tells us that the whole cosmos is groaning and waiting for redemption. But at the end of the biblical story, we are given a picture of that finished work of reconciliation, just like the vase. In Revelation 7 and 21, we see this new heaven and new earth brought back together again, filled by that great multitude of people from many tribes, tongues, and nations to be one people with one voice under the Lamb. The cosmos is renewed in recreation. No more broken fragments. The great work of our God, friends, the master mender, is reconciliation. To reconcile, to gather piece by piece back to himself the whole cosmos. How does he do it? In Christ, through the cross. Reconciliation is being gathered up to God through the cross of Christ. There is absolutely no question from this passage and the rest of scripture that the apex of God's plan for the recreation of his cosmos was the cross. There is no salvation or reconciliation outside of that event in history that was the death, the atoning death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. I wanted to explore the fullness of reconciliation by taking that that verse into three bits. First of all, let's think of the world. We often tend to think about reconciliation with an individualistic lens through the limited scope of God dealing with me, my personal individual sinful soul, that one green arrow between the creator and the human creature. And that is true, but it's more. The cross brings reconciliation, not just between the creator and the creature, but for the whole fractured cosmos. In Colossians, a similar passage where Paul is taking a similar concept and bringing it to the church in Colossae, he says, in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, things on earth and in heaven by the power of his blood. We see here that atonement on the cross is the means of reconciliation but that the scope of reconciliation is cosmic-wide. 
in um, this verse, the NIV uh, actually has this correctly. Some other versions, I think, don't get the fullness of this. And it says, if any was in, is in Christ, new creation. You may have heard that, um, the translation of that, if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. There is no he is in the Greek. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. The old order has passed and the new has already begun. The piecing together of the pieces, the shattered cosmos, has already begun. The direction here is not personal and individual, but it is cosmic that includes the personal and individual. The cross makes it possible for all those smashed segments of the cosmos to be brought back to God and his original design. Let's think of the phrase to himself. Often, uh, I think, influenced by the Reformation, we think of reconciliation in terms of legality, the legal aspect. There has been a crime committed, there has been punishment given and, and undertaken, and so it's, it's finished. No longer is our sin counted against us. There's forgiveness. But the ultimate goal of reconciliation is relationship. We discipline our daughter by sending her to her room. Not to punish her cheekiness and say, okay, it's done. We've, we've punished you. But so that she'll want to come back to the family table, into the living room with us to recognize us as her loving parents and want to be part of that family again and to treat us in that way. Reconciliation brings us to God in Christ. Paul uses this phrase 70 and more times throughout his letters to the New Testament. It is how he thought of salvation. And if we think about the statements, verse 14, Christ died and so all died, Verse 18, God through Christ was joining us back to himself. Verse 19, in Christ, God was joining the world, the cosmos, to himself. Verse 19, we become the righteousness of God. That Jesus is made sin for our sin. It's not a clinical, detached act that the early Christians would have read Paul's, uh, these phrases in Paul's letter. They didn't think of the cross as the act they thought of the cross as the person in the act. God, the eternal word, shared our humanity in incarnation. And so his human death, his human resurrection, his human ascension can be shared with me, a human creature, and you, a human creature, in our whole human nature. In these verses, there's a merging of persons, God and Christ, us in Christ. And the ancient Eastern mind is a bit more comfortable with that than we are in our modernist individualistic minds. Reconciliation is more than dealing with a conflict of two equal parties. Reconciliation in Christ, according to Paul, is much more. It's a binding together. It's a partnership, a participation, a sharing in, a union with the other. It's maybe more like a marriage of a rich, wealthy person to a poor person in debt. And as they marry and are united together, all the wealth and benefits of the rich person 
flow to the poor person and transform their whole person completely. As we are reconciled to God in Christ, the weak are not just declared to be strong, but made strong. They become strong. The poor are made rich. The sinful made blameless. The unlovely become lovely. The unrighteous become the righteousness of God. Those who were far off are made near. Who am I? We sang. Whatever else describes you, you are in Christ, a son or a daughter of the living God, a brother or a sister to the people in your church family and beyond. And we say that in the creed. We don't just say we believe that 2,000 years ago, one man, Jesus Christ, died and was resurrected and ascended. We say that together because we believe that somehow in God's great plan and order of salvation, we share in the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And that is resurrection reconciliation. Reconciliation breaks down barriers between us and God, but also between me and you, and between them and us. It creates community in Christ. I wonder, do we often think of the church as a vitamin pill for my salvation? I go to church because, you know, everybody there and the singing, the prayer, the sermon help me with my faith with God. And it does. But the church is more, so much more than a support group for each of our personal faith. The church is the intended purpose of reconciliation, the end goal, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the assembled, the ones who are gathered back up together. Now, if I am in Christ and share all his blessings, and if you are in Christ and share all the blessings of Christ, then I am not only united to Christ, but I am united to you. And if we here in Bangor Parish, this is your church community, your family, are united to Christ, and the church across the road have a family united to Christ, then you are united to Christ and to each other, and to the churches in Donegal and Dundee, to the Christians in Bangladesh and Belize. We are one in Christ. We are part of church global because we are all reconciled to God, to each other in Christ. And if the Christians in Corinth, to whom Paul was writing some 2,000 years ago, and the Christians in the Victorian age, say, are all in Christ, then we are part of church ancients because we are all reconciled in Christ and to each other, a part of a new community, a new humanity, says Paul in Ephesians, right back to the Genesis 1 design. And this is the church. Church is not what we do in this building, nor on a Sunday morning. Church is something that we are. The new humanity, the community that is one body, one people, reconciled to God and to each other in Christ. 
I'm reaching out to you as you're sitting on your sofa, maybe with a coffee, just you and your family, maybe you on your own in your living room. You are part of something massive. And as we're disconnected and connect to each other as church through a screen, do not forget, friends, that the church in all its essence cannot be erased by a pandemic. Hang tight and believe that you are part of the biggest people movement that ever was and is the church. This is what we proclaim when we are going to say together in the church, uh, in the creed, I believe in the holy universal church and the communion of saints. And so this morning, say it with gusto from your heart. We've been reconciled, united to each other in Christ. We don't make the unity. The unity has been made for us because of what Christ has done on the cross. Church is not a group of people with a common interest, a group of similar-minded people who, um, share, who share a similar lifestyle. It is a calm unity that intentionally breaks down the social, racial, national barriers that exist around us in, in community and society. And so we should expect our local expressions of church to be diverse. There is no them and us in the church. Galatians 3.28 takes the largest social divisions of Paul's day, the Jews, the Greeks, the slave, the free, the male, the female, and he says we are all in the new community of Christ, one, because we're all in Christ. In Ephesians 2.16, he writes talking about the Jewish people and the Gentile people, and he says they are both reconciled, joined together, gathered up to God, and a new humanity has been formed in Christ. The slave and the free is another them and us that Paul deals with in the New Testament. And in that time, households came to faith together, often slave owners, the, the master of the household, and the slave, the lowest slave, would come to faith together as, as they heard the gospel. And when they went to the waters, the waters of baptism, they were baptized naked. Why? And I'm not recommending it. But why? Um, there were no clothes. There was no jewelry. There was no status. Each one of them confessed as equals. Jesus is Lord. And they started to realize, well, if you say Jesus is Lord as a slave owner, and I say Jesus is Lord as a slave, then why do I call you Lord? Why is there a distinction between our humanity in Philemon, Paul asks Philemon to take Onesimus back, not because he was told to be kind to poor people, but because Paul says, Philemon, Onesimus is your brother in Christ now. In communion in 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul was so angry with the church at Corinth when they came to communion, the love feast, because he says the rich eat first and the poor go hungry. That is an insult to the body of Christ who was uh, crucified and died for this united people. Reconciliation as the new humanity should direct what we do as church. And when we do church stuff in, as church, we must enter it and inhabit it as it is forming us into a united people of God. We don't make the unity happen, but we make it real. We act it out. 
Paul, one of Paul's favorite words was koinonia, fellowship. And that's not a warm, fuzzy feeling at the small group Christmas party, although it involves that. It's a true oneness that Paul says that we are one in mind and spirit. For, the, for our sermons, for our reading scripture together, uh, we, we, in 2021 Northern Ireland, we read New Testament land, land, through a lens of individualism. When we see Paul writing you, we think me, myself, and Jesus. Nearly 70% of the times that Paul uses the phrase you, he uses the plural firm, the form, usins, y'all. When he steps out of that, he says each one of you as building blocks of the whole body. What does that look like? Life groups. Each one of you has a lens as you come to a portion of scripture. Unpack it together because I need your lens and you need my lens. Able-bodied-minded folk need the lens of disabled-bodied-minded folk. We in Northern Ireland need the lens of people from other cultures and backgrounds. Men need to hear the women's lens as we unpack scripture together and we understand it most fully to obey it. And when we listen to a sermon, we don't just listen to it for me and my walk, but we sit together ready to submit to the authority of God as a corporate body and as individuals of building blocks of the whole. In Acts 2, the early Christians shared their possessions as an enactment of unity, of koinonia, confession and repentance, keeping that brotherhood love flowing in our sinful ways. Communion, communion is not about me and Jesus, but a whole community event that enacts our unity in Christ. That's why we say creeds together. It's not just an I believe, but the I believe becomes a we believe, not just in here, but with the rest of the church globally and historically. Singing is not just a space for me and Jesus, but for our voices to come together so that mine blends with yours and we worship in one voice. And I love those little videos of the blessing that you've probably seen. And I think that's a picture of koinonia singing that happens in, in here. And we look forward to getting back to those days, don't we? But be creative about how you gather. What is it now? How can you gather intentionally as, as a church to create community? Two, walking down the road safely. Soon it will be six in a garden. Then it might be 10 in a living room. Hold on, be creative and consider yourselves church. Reconciliation, being in Christ, compels, controls our whole lives. Reconciliation directs us to be key players in God's mission of his work of reconciliation. Um, verse 14, his love compels us. Verse 15, we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. Verse 18, he gave us this ministry. 19, he entrusted this work to us, his message and the ministry. And verse 20, we are his ambassadors. He makes the gathering up of the cosmos happen through us. When I was a child, we played the game one, two, three. One person was it, and when they found you, you didn't just sit idly by waiting for the game to finish. You joined in the chasing and the finding and the hunting until you were the last one and you were hiding. You had to run back to den. You had no chance because everybody else in the game was going to catch you. So it is with the church. We are a reconciled people 
to do the work of reconciliation, the ministry and the message. We are gathered up into the church to do the gathering of the fragmented pieces of the cosmos around us. What is the message of reconciliation? And what is the ministry of reconciliation for us, the church? What is it for you in Bangor 2021? Look in. Make sure you are what it says on the tin, a community of reconciled people ready to embrace and receive others who are different to you. Take your koinonia temperature. Is your church community truly reconciled and one in mind and spirit? Are you submitting your whole selves to each other under scripture? Are there actions you need to take to consider yourselves a usums, a y'all? Are there divisions in here that you haven't noticed because they're just part of our cultural lens and we don't see things? In this digital space, lockdown, it is, it's difficult to enact that community well over a camera. And the church are doing so well to do that. But there's still a gap because it, can, it can't be enacted as, as we can't be together. Don't, friend, disappear into that false understanding of church that it is uh, something I dip into for me when I feel like it and how I feel like it. This is an interim period. And we experience and latch onto that hunger to be back together enacting our oneness. Can I suggest making a daily action? Again, this is not just a you, this is each one of you that creates the you, plural. What would it look like to make contact intentionally with someone who is different to you? The elderly reaching out to the younger folk, the younger folk to the elderly. What does that look like? Make it happen. Look out, engage in the ministry of reconciliation in this community. Identify the cracks of the cosmos in real time, real place. What are they? What are the effects of sin on the cosmos of Bangor? What should Bangor have looked like without the smashing of the vase? How do you, in your community, because you are a community, become part of the work of the master mender, gathering up those pieces to himself. Evangelism. We proclaim Jesus as Lord over those divisions, over those rough, raw human experiences. And we gather folk back to him through his death. That's why you do Alpha. That's why you invite people to Alpha. And it's a really effective tool because it realizes in our post-truth world that the heart cry of our culture is no longer, is the Christian faith true, prove it. But is the Christian community real? Is it beautiful? Does it make sense of the divisions in the world? Show me. Let me be a part of it. I want to see. And often people will belong to a community and then start to believe it's got to be social justice and compassion in our community. When God's people gathered back to him through Christ seek to be involved in this work of reconciliation, there must be social justice in the streets and neighborhoods. Identify those human divisions, the power system that sustain those divisions, the issues of inequality. Go there. Proclaim Jesus as Lord over that division and be part of his reconciling work by being present in the divide. Go out, make the poor rich, 
Make the weak strong. Make the isolated and the rejected belong in your community. And don't just start another program to people, but welcome them in. Often the church reinforces those divisions between a them and an us because we perceive our people ourselves as being the kind people, the good people who do kind things to poor people. Paul is talking about something so much bigger. The community absorbs people into itself, welcomes people. What does it look like? Well, I was with a church a while ago. They had identified the educational divide in their local area. And they stopped all the kids' work in their building that largely attracted Christian middle-class kids And they redirected their volunteers to go out and provide homework clubs and AQE tutoring in the community. And they prayed over people and with people. And they proclaimed Jesus is king over your kids and their education. The parents who were involved in those spaces, they now choose to go to the other kind of park and to be with those families. They started to share their lives together in friendship. Few of the families came to Alpha courses and came to faith and were absorbed into the church community. No longer middle class, working class, all one in Christ Jesus. Another church worked with disability, creating safe spaces of friendship and belonging in their community through, they worked with schools and National Autistic Society clubs. And they proclaimed Jesus as king and they prayed for his kingship over that social divide of able and disabled and all the devaluing that goes on in that space. And some families came to that church community. They wanted to belong somewhere. They felt so isolated. Some of them accepted Christ. And because their kids are there, adults with learning disability, they're transforming that church community themselves. And the care workers of some of the adults come along to that church. And they're saying, you don't just feel sorry for these people. You love them. No longer able, disabled, all one in Christ Jesus. During Black Lives Matter, our good friends in Minnesota went out with their church people every night to the riots, not to riot, but to pray, to pray over the police and over the communities who were rioting and to provide a safe place for food and for whatever was needed. And they proclaimed with words, Jesus is Lord over this divide. And as a result, their presence has led to people coming into their church buildings, asking questions and coming to faith. And in the middle of 2020's most desegregated American city, a new church was formed with black and white Americans across the divide. New creation. No longer black and white, all one in Christ Jesus. And my friend told me last week, the police are asking questions about who we are and what we're doing. The church as a community for the divided community becomes the message of reconciliation. To the Jews, the cross was foolishness. To the Greeks, it was a stumbling block. But when we live it out in community, it is powerful. The early church grew massively in numbers, not just because they proclaimed the good news. What stood out to the Roman governors and to the communities was a bemusement about slave owners and slaves sitting at the same table. Paul, who persecuted, and the persecuted being one, Men, women, back together in one equal community. How might God 
compel you in love to go out, gather up all the broken fragments in Bangor. Asylum seekers and refugees, those in food poverty, isolated, elderly, addicts, those with mental health issues, the business owners in Bangor whose businesses are not going to survive the pandemic. How can you go out and make real the reconciliation of the cosmos back to God in Christ? We've got to look up. We are reconciled through Christ back to God. You, Bangor Parish, are not the reconciler. You are the ambassadors. It is not your ministry. You have been entrusted with his work. And so as a church, you've got to be listening, ready to be guided, and at times compelled by the master mender and his love. Pray the prayer of cosmic reconciliation. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And when you pray, believe and realize that your words are brought right to the heart of the Father because you are in Christ, because you pray in Jesus' name. Can I suggest a new grasping of the word amen? Often, I think we think of it as a full stop to a prayer. It's done. We've stopped talking to God. Now we can talk to each other. But amen means, I agree. Pray together in Jesus' name and declare at the end together as one body, we agree. Amen. We are together on this, Lord. We are of one mind and spirit. Lord, let it be. Friends, our God is the master mender, reconciling to himself, weaving back together the heaven and the earth. The new creation is here this morning. You may not see it in your living room, but you are part of it. The new humanity for the good of humanity. The new community for the divided community. As it was in the beginning, as it is now, and will be forever. World, cosmos without end. And all the people of God said, Amen.